Production made possible in part by MedPlus Advantage. You're listening to Radio Rounds, a talk show created and hosted by medical students and physicians in training, where today's stories are told by tomorrow's doctors. I'm Dr. Eddie Breyercheck. Coming up on today's episode, how the organization CamTech is reshaping the pursuit of technology solutions to global health challenges. I think really getting out of your comfort zone and working with people from different backgrounds is essential. Um, what I have certainly learned is that it it really will be through collaboration across sectors, across disciplines, where we're going to see the future of healthcare innovation. You know, not being afraid of the business questions and asking those really early in the process and recognizing that business can be a force for social change. More on the CamTech approach to global health. We will hear from former venture capitalist and now director of CamTech at Massachusetts General Hospital, Elizabeth Bailey, and from CamTech's medical director, Dr. Christian Olson, a pediatrician, internist, and assistant professor at Harvard Medical School. Right now on Radio Rounds. Welcome back to Radio Rounds, where we've been hearing from Dr. Christian Olson and Elizabeth Bailey of CamTech. In our next segment, they'll share important stories on CamTech's successes and the importance of failures along the way. Finally, we'll close our series with their thoughts on what makes great ideas, doctors, and entrepreneurs. We're joined by Elizabeth Bailey. Elizabeth, tell me a little bit about CamTech and the mission that you have. Yes, so CamTech launched just over three years ago with a mission to accelerate medical technology innovation for low- and middle-income countries. And one of the the impetuses for this new initiative was to look at medical technology innovation in a new way and to correct some of the historical mistakes that have been made where lots of technologies have been developed for uh, industrialized markets and then adapted with the hope that they would be widely adopted in emerging and developing countries. And we have many, many examples where that didn't work well. And so CamTech's mission is really central centered around this idea of co-creation, uh, where we bring the end user into the whole process of, of technology innovation, not just to inform the problem as a starting point, but as a, a participant in the whole continuum, the whole process, to make sure that once these technologies are developed, they will be widely adopted in the communities that most need them. Um, we also think about co-creation in addition to end-user input as collaboration across disciplines. So mm. we bring together engineering expertise, medical expertise, and business expertise. And if you think about the Venn diagram of those three areas, we really want to operate right at the intersection of all three. Um, often what we've seen is uh, technologies that go looking for a problem in the healthcare field. Uh, we certainly don't want to see that when we're lucky enough to see technologies that address a problem. Often the business question is asked much too late, hmm. uh, so there's not a commercially viable model. So 
we're really structured in a way that allows us to bring together all these different types of expertise at once in a kind of open innovation platform. And the other way we think about co-creation is uh, working across sectors. So global health is a particularly complex and fragmented marketplace, if you could call it that. Sure. So uh, one group or one institution is not going to be able to solve these problems alone. So we look to bring in you know, government agencies, foundations, NGOs, as well as the private sector. And the private sector has been an important component to have into this mix because ultimately they're going to be responsible for commercializing and scaling many of the technologies that come out of this platform. So it sounds like you're really taking a start-to-finish approach uh, in involving the ultimate end users of your product. Um, How do you organize all of that, though? It seems like there's a lot of people involved and a lot of different levels of innovation involved. How do you keep that all in a cohesive unit towards, towards the goal? Yeah, it's it's a good question. Um, it is hard sometimes to balance the open nature of the platform uh, with creating some organization and and systematizing it. Uh, we call it organized chaos. <laughs> um, and part of the reason that we've structured this initiative as we have is uh, we think good ideas can come from anywhere. And while we sit in Boston, we don't think the best ideas necessarily come from people here, although they can. Uh, So we really wanted to create uh, a program that allows us to engage with many different types of people. Um, The hackathon model is one way we're able to do that. Uh, We also have an online innovation platform that brings a little bit of organization to really a growing network of med tech innovators across the globe. Um, So I think it's through some of the programmatic elements that we've created that allows some structure while also recognizing that uh, too much structure stifles innovation. So so, uh, we want to keep things kind of open and fluid as we can. So, Chris, from your perspective as a clinician, um, we round every day here at the hospitals in the United States, and we're used to the facilities and standard of care that we have. And while that varies hospital to hospital, there is a certain standard that that we're used to and a certain culture in medicine that we're used to. Can you explain your background in global health and how that's transitioned into your work with Camtech? Yes, I... I work both here in Mass General Hospital and then overseas. I worked for uh, over 10 years as a clinician, as a clinical educator, and as a program developer. And in so many of these regions, I worked with really fantastic people that were passionate about solving the problems in their own areas. But when you worked with them, there was so often the lack of really essential commodities. And and sometimes commodities that were delivered were so um, inadequate for the setting that we were in. And it contributed to this whole feeling of insurmountable barriers that people were facing. So one thing that we'll often see behind health facilities, both at community health centers as well as more regional hospitals in the developing world, are graveyards of medical equipment that just didn't function for that environment. Hmm. And there's a number and a whole host of reasons uh, behind them. And one thing that has gotten me so excited about working through CamTech with many of the people that that um, are facing these challenges every day is that it's 
been a, a frame shift in their perspectives from looking at these problems as insurmountable barriers to transitioning to viewing them as uh, solvable challenges. Mm-hmm. And and that has entirely changed the perspective and the level of energy that people are engaged in. What do you think makes the difference? What What's the catalyst to push it from an insurmountable problem to a solvable challenge? I think it's absolutely asking questions first and saying, what problems are you facing on a daily basis? And, and really meaning that you want those answers. We'll view the problems that people come up with, the people that are really on the front lines of healthcare. So maybe not always the people that you might first meet in a country or you might first meet uh, walking through the doors of a hospital um, because they're often administrators or they're, or they're um, uh, public health experts. But when you really get down to the people providing care, they actually have a lot to say about the things that are impacting their ability to provide the care that their community needs uh, on a practical day-to-day basis. So, Elizabeth, one of the things that we hear a lot in global health, almost a buzzword or cliche at this point, is sustainability. If you propose a project, someone will lean back in their chair and say, well, is that really sustainable? get it all the time. Can you touch on that and what Camtech is doing to make things sustainable and long-lasting? Yeah, um, I do think it's a buzzword. I also think it is a really important concept to think about. Um, One of the things that we've done at Camtech is to bring in the business questions right from the very beginning. Uh, so that you don't end up with products that are exciting from a technical or clinical perspective, but will have no chance of making it into the market, and even if they made it into the market, uh, to actually be scaled up to to impact patients. Um, So I think asking the business questions right from the very beginning is one important step. I think in terms of some of the the things that we've seen with innovators and entrepreneurs, so I spent as a decade as a venture capitalist, and I looked at a lot of new technologies and new ventures that were interested in serving global health markets. And the the entrepreneurs and innovators, while they had really exciting ideas and they were passionate and motivated to make a difference, they didn't really have the tools to figure out those business models on their own. So they were looking for funding, but they were also looking for resources and support to help them move into the market and and commercialize their products. Uh, So one of the things that we've spent a lot of time doing at Camtech is to figure out what are the tools and resources that innovators and entrepreneurs need to be successful in their endeavors. Early in the process, making sure that someone wants your product, that they're excited about it, that there are channels to sell and distribute. Um, those are not necessarily exciting questions to ask when you're you know, developing a disruptive technology and you really want to focus on the bells and whistles of that product, um, but they are critical to ensuring that these products actually make it into the market. So they are interested not only in a new pipeline of 
of innovations. They're interested in new business models of how to best serve these markets. Um, and I do think that they are highly motivated from the commercial side of their business. They see that there's tremendous growth opportunity, uh, but they also see that this um, siloed approach of, of, you know, kind of operating as a single company, not engaging with the broader ecosystem is, is simply not going to work. And so I think they are more and more of these companies are, are coming and working with Camtech and other groups in this open innovation platform sort of way. Um, and so I think it's exciting. They have a lot to learn, but they also have a lot to, to share. Um, they, they know how to commercialize products. They know how to manufacture them. They know how to sell and market mm-hmm. them. Um, and while they have to adapt their models, we don't want to lose the expertise that they, they have brought where they've gotten you know tons of products out into the world helping patients. So, Chris, tell me about something that Camtech has done that just has you very excited. One of the most rewarding things that I've seen has been somebody coming to the hackathon and saying at the end of it, I thought that I was training in, in, uh, as an engineer here in India to get a job with a large multinational corporation. And they say, and now I'm totally convinced that I'm starting my own company. I want to solve problems in in my own community. So the second example I'd like to really highlight is is a technology that I've been involved with, but it's allowed me to both live the Camtech process as well as be involved across disciplines with people in other countries as we develop a health technology. So this example is is called the augmented infant resuscitator. And at our very first hackathon here at Mass General Hospital, a Ugandan colleague of of mine stood up and said, I have this problem in sub-Saharan Africa. I'm training all of these midwives to midwives and other birth attendants to resuscitate newborn babies. And when I follow up with them, I realize that they really don't have the proficiency to ventilate a baby uh, correctly. And so with resuscitation, you're talking about the ability to get the baby breathing immediately after birth? Yeah, exactly. When you look at the problem between what we term as stillbirths or neonatal deaths, so those are babies that are dying from birth asphyxia, the, the lack of taking and maintaining a breath at birth, it's about 1.8 million babies per year. 98% of those happen in the developing world. This physician, Dr. Dada Santorino, stood up and said, you know, my challenge is we're already getting to the point where we're training individuals in resuscitation, uh, and I'm not getting good feedback about how they're doing with respect to their the quality of ventilating. When he stood up and said that challenge, I immediately stopped being a mentor at that initial hackathon and joined that team because I'd worked for several years in training midwives and birth attendants on newborn resuscitation in Indonesia. What was totally fascinating is he he gave this challenge and said, I was just wondering if there's a technology that can help with it. At that time, an automotive engineer uh, who was a mechanical engineer studying for his PhD at MIT had joined the hackathon thinking he was going to work on cook stoves and, and actually 
walked over and said, you know, I study engine uh, gas flows all the time, and I think we could do this. Hmm. And an electrical engineer, so that's Dr. Kevin Cedroni, and then an electrical engineer joined and and said, you know, I'd like to work on this project. And it was so interesting to see that the problems that we thought were going to be the problems from another person's perspective were not problems at all. Mm-hmm. By the end of that weekend, we built the first prototype of what's called the augmented infant resuscitator or air, which fits into existing bag valve masks and just gives the user instant feedback on the quality of their resuscitation, whether there's an airway blockage, whether there's an airway leakage, or whether they're breathing too fast or slow for the baby. And then even to get to the physical feel of the augmented resuscitator, we did a technology feasibility and usability trial in Uganda where birth attendants were actually the study subjects and would play with the device, would use it on mannequins and would say, you've got to change this, you've got to change this. And this brings in the aspect of user-driven design. Mm-hmm. And so we've gone through several iterations and our fourth uh, generation device is coming out this month. And then when I was talking about it here at Mass General Hospital, people said, well, why are you developing this only for Sub-Saharan Africa? We have the same problems here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. So what's totally exciting is we're starting a randomized control trial of providers with this device, not only in Uganda, but here in Mass General Hospital. And I think that's really important for a couple reasons. It, it means for this device that has dual applicability, the, the end users who are driving the, the form function of the device and in Uganda, they're not feeling like, oh, we're getting something less than you would use uh, in the United States. We're actually contributing to a solution that you have in a hospital in Boston. Absolutely. And that's been fantastic. That's fascinating. And, and it's an incredible success story. But I imagine anytime I hear about entrepreneurs and innovators or even early scientists and clinicians, there's a lot of times where things don't go well at the beginning. And I wondered if, if Elizabeth, maybe you could touch on, on failure and, and how we deal with that, especially in an industry driven by innovation. Yeah. Uh, I think failure is, uh, is a really important concept in this whole space. And we, at Camtech celebrate failure. Um, and I, I mean that actually very seriously. While the example of AIR is uh, a fantastic success story, um, most of the innovations that come through our platform don't make it. Um, and so we've often been asked, well, you know, h- how, why is, does your model work if most of the innovations fail? Um, and I think what we have learned through now hosting 12 hackathons, uh, in, across three different continents is that when you bring together a group of innovators and you remove the fear of failure, they're willing to try really exciting, innovative things. Mm-hmm. So Elizabeth, you've worked in venture capital. You've transitioned over to working in a global health setting, very clinical setting as well. What advice do you have for people that are in these fields that they want to innovate? I think really getting out of your comfort zone and working with people from different backgrounds is essential. Um, what I have certainly learned is that it it really will be 
uh, it will be through collaboration across sectors, across disciplines, where we're going to see the future of healthcare innovation. You know, not being afraid of the business questions and asking those really early in the process and recognizing that business can be a force for social change, um, that there is, you know, an opportunity for shared value. And so um, especially to uh, your listeners in the in the clinical realm, um, finding ways to collaborate with people from the private sector, uh, with people with technology expertise, uh, really looking for interesting ways to collaborate and finding that common ground. Because I think the future of healthcare innovation is really going to be where clinicians sit side by side with engineers and entrepreneurs to come up with the most impactful solutions. Thanks to Elizabeth Bailey of CamTech at Massachusetts General Hospital and CamTech's medical director, Dr. Christian Olson, for joining us today on Radio Rounds. That's all we have, but in the meantime, remember that you can download podcasts of all episodes. Just search the iTunes store for Radio Rounds or visit radiorounds.org. You can also contact our team via email, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter. All of that information at radiorounds.org. Production made possible in part by MedPlus Advantage. Sponsored by the American Medical Association. Providing group disability and life insurance to students and residents through participating educational institutions. Visit us at medplusadvantage.com. AMA Insurance is pleased to introduce an individual disability insurance plan called Essentials for MedPlus Advantage participants. Through this plan, eligible graduating medical students have a special one-time opportunity to apply for high-quality individual disability insurance with no intrusive or time-consuming medical exams and only a few basic questions and with discounted premiums. Apply now as the enrollment period ends soon. Of course, please remember that the views and opinions expressed on Radio Rounds are not representative of the views and opinions of the partners of Radio Rounds. Thanks so much for joining us, everyone. It's great to be back with you, and we hope you have a fantastic week. For the entire staff here at Radio Rounds, I'm Eddie Breyercheck, and one day, I'll be your doctor.